0: Joseph, the dreamer. The Bible reads, God sent me. It was not you who sent me here, but God. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Close your eyes with me as we pray. Father in heaven, we pray that you would give us a dream, give us a vision. I pray, dear Lord, that you would install in our hearts a glimpse of of glory. And I pray that this dream would sustain us through the challenges of this life. For this we ask and pray in Jesus' name, amen. My brother and my sister, sons and daughters of the living God, this is Pastor Oetla Simankani challenging you to dream. Joseph the Dreamer. The story of Joseph is about God working his will through the everyday events of life. There are no miracles in the story of Joseph. At least not in our usual way of accounting for miracles. God does not suspend his natural laws to make things happen. The story is about the hidden, but the sure way of God. God's hidden hand arranges everything without show, without pomp, Without explanation or violating the nature of things, God simply has a hidden hand in the events of life. He is the God of the ordinary. He is involved in the ordinary. And Joseph recognizes the hand of God in the ordinary when he says, God sent me. It was not you who sent me, but God. And so through the events and the circumstances of life, Joseph is able to see the hand of God. I challenge you today. Many of us are looking for miracles in splendor. We're looking for something that defies logic. We're looking for things that, you know, uh, defy the scientific laws of this world. But could it be that our lives may be just like the life of Joseph? And yet, In the events of life, in the words of people, in the actions people take, in the circumstances of your life, in the events of your life, God's hand could be at play. The story of Joseph begins with contention among the brothers. Joseph reports his brothers to his parents. Don't do that. (laughs) The brothers are unhappy. The status quo is made worse by a generational sin, favoritism. And so there is this good boy, you know, who uh, is better than the others. Maybe he is better. Maybe he just sees himself better. But when he sees his brothers misbehaving, he reports them. He was that boy in class who reports the names of those that were misbehaving in class. That was Joseph. So they are unhappy with him. But to add on to that, their own father treats him with favoritism, It is a generational issue. Isaac loved Esau more than Jacob, and Rebekah loved Jacob more than Esau. And recall that Jacob loved Rachel and her children more than Leah and her children. So the Bible says, now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his sons, because he was the son of his old age. And I will add that he was also the son of his favorite wife. and he made him a robe of many colors. And so his favoritism was symbolized by his actions, and this robe becomes the greatest symbol of this favoritism. It is many colors, bright, attracting to this great fact that our father loves this boy more than he loves us. Joseph stands out from his brothers with his coat, and his brothers could not handle it. They could not speak a kind word to him. A bright moment arrives, Joseph has a dream and when he shared his dream with his brothers, they hated him even more. What was meant to be a bright spark is rather midnight. Listen to this dream I had, he tells his brothers. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. <laughs> Wide-eyed Joseph, excited about his dream. But his brothers respond to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule over us? And they hated him. All the more because of his dream and what he had said. I want you to remember the content of this dream, beloved, because it will be important for the rest of the story of Joseph. It is a story about his brothers, and he says that this is what I dreamt, and in their response they identify themselves in the dream, Will you rule over us? And then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun, moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. This time the father was close by, and he rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? What is this? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And so his brothers understood and were jealous. And his father understood, but the Bible says he kept this in mind. The second dream goes beyond the first in the grandeur of the emblems. The first was on the ground, you know. But the second, it is celestial, and it also included his parents in bowing to him. Two dreams. Two dreams. Later, Joseph would explain to Pharaoh In chapter 41, verse 32, the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God. (laughs) Joseph understood what having two dreams that are comparable and have the same message and yet are different. What it means? It means it is fixed by God. So Joseph's second dream now seals the matter. Unfortunately, beloved, His rejection was also sealed. There's something interesting happening here. Joseph is given a vision. His vision and his dream does not capture what is about to take place. Though the father spoke about the second dream, the brothers were silent and their silence is ominous. For the next words you hear from them are words of mockery. Here comes the dreamer. The next words, come now, let's kill him. You should be careful who you share your dreams with because some people will not be excited by your prosperity, by uh, the prospects of prosperity even. Some people will be jealous for the dreams that you have and they will seek to make sure your dreams don't come true. Be careful who you share your dreams with. Cain the older brother, Esau the older brother, and now Joseph's older brothers have the murderous spirit, let's kill him. Now, when Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue, this is drama. Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue his brother from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Put him in this pit. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. Keep that in mind. When Joseph arrived, they threw him in the pit and sat down for a meal. They then decided to sell him in order to gain something from their evil. I tell you, they sat down for a meal. As they were acting upon such evilness. And not only that, they say, we ought to get something for this evil. And so they sell him. Now we spoke about Jacob's trouble. Well, Joseph's troubles have well and truly begun. Tragedy, unfairness, taken away from his family, torn away from everything that he knew. Joseph had only his God-given dream to hang on to. He did not know what awaited him. He possessed nothing. He had no one, only a dream. And yet he believed the promise of the dream. And it is that dream that carried him. Joseph was given the certainty and clarity of the dream, but was not given any vision of his troubles. I want to believe that if he understood the path that would lead to the fulfillment of the dream, he might have chosen not this way, Lord, not me, Lord. And yet, beloved, this path is what would lead him to great destiny. If he had, he may have elected that such a burden was not for him. If he knew the troubles, he may not have had the strength, but all he had was a promise. All he knew was the dream, and that dream carried him through. Oh, beloved, may God give you a dream. I had a dream, Martin Luther King said, may you possess a dream. It is the belief in God's promise that gave Joseph the clarity to say in the end, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Oh, my brother and my sister, may you dream in Jesus' name. May God give you visions in the day and dreams at night. May he give you a sight and a glimpse of that which he sets for you as a destiny. May you dream big. As Ben Carson said, dream big. And as you dream big, may your dreams energize you. May they put a spark in you. May you have a reason to wake in the morning, despite the challenges, despite the clouds over you, despite the storms, despite everything that may take place, thrown into a pit, see the dream. Sold by your brothers, see the dream. May the dream be with you in the morning, noon, and night. May the dream carry you through. I believe that many of us have great destinies in Jesus' name. I believe that some of us are discouraged because of the things that are happening around us. But I pray that you would understand that sometimes it is these pits that will lead to the fulfillment of the dream. Hang on to the dream. Don't let go of the dream. Dream on. Dream on until God fulfills that which he has deposited in your heart. Let us close our eyes and pray. Father in heaven, We pray that you would give us a dream, a dream of things unseen, a dream of things unimaginable, a dream that is God-sized. I pray, dear Father, that you would give us a vision of what is to be, a vision that does not speak to current circumstances, but that speaks to destiny. I pray that you'd give us a dream that will drive us, a dream that will energize us, give us zeal, a dream that will give us a stubborn commitment, dear Father, so that no matter what tries to drag us down into the pits, we will be able to rise again, dear Father. I pray that the dreams that you give us may be able to give us hope whenever the situations may appear hopeless. For this is my prayer in Jesus' name, Amen.